If you're looking for a complete nutrition bar for the trail, look no further than Green Belly. Their meals contain 650 calories each, more than two and a half times the energy of a Cliff Bar. Think of them like cereal bars on steroids. Because Green Belly meals are ready to eat, requiring no stove or cleanup, they make the perfect trail breakfast, lunch, and or dinner. Their meals are super light and made with wholesome ingredients with flavors like peanut apricot, dark chocolate banana, mango cashew coconut, spiced caramel apple, and my personal favorite, the cranberry almond. They taste great and are handmade fresh every week. The texture on these bars are dense, but still soft. They're also not too sweet, which is a very nice change of pace in the world of sugary meal replacement bars. The bars are perfect for long distance treks as the founder, Christopher Cage, is himself a thru-hiker. You may recognize that name from his appearance on the Joe Rogan Experience. And good news for you, our Trail Correspondence listeners, you get an exclusive 10% discount site-wide at Greenbelly. Just use code TC10, that's the letters T, C, and the number 10, at checkout at their website, greenbelly.co. Don't wait, this deal is only good for limited time. Being a month in, you would think that we'd get into the groove of things, but it's like every day we don't really know what's going to happen as far as fires and alternates and who we're going to meet. And, you know, I think the resupply will work in the next town and we have to figure out what we're doing next. It's really just one week at a time out here. To Trail Correspondence presented by The Trek. I am your host, Zach Badger Davis. You can read every blog post, watch every YouTube video, and listen to every podcast. As much as you think you know what to expect during the course of a through hike, there is always, inevitably, much that you could not have anticipated. And that is precisely the topic of today's show. Our correspondents are roughly one month into their journeys, and they share what their biggest surprises have been so far. In an effort to keep their entries a, well, surprise, I'm going to shut up and pass them the mic. Enjoy. Hey guys, it's Lara, aka Trash Panda, coming at you from uh, Abenaki territory, um, aka just outside of Gorham, New Hampshire. Um, so as you can hear, it's currently raining and I'm in my tent and I'm going to talk to you guys about surprises. So um, the first question that I have to answer is how much research did I do for my through hike? And quite frankly, I kind of dropped the ball on that one. Um, realistically, I didn't do a ton of research on the actual hiking experience. I watched some videos, um, on it, but like, I pretty much only made it like halfway through the 100 mile wilderness because I've got a really bad attention span. Um, so I, I really didn't have a great grasp on the terrain that I was going to encounter. Um, I mean like the first half of the 100 mile, I was cruising i was having a great time um it was all like 
flattish with like lakes and just gorgeous and then like one night somebody was like oh hey yeah we're gonna have to like climb white cap or something tomorrow and i was like what's this climbing we don't that's not what we've been doing mountains that's that's new um and uh quite frankly uh not to be a cynical bitch but it's just gotten worse so that's been my biggest surprise overall is just how variable the terrain's been because we started with that really nice stuff and um so i just got into new hampshire yesterday um and I had to go through the Mahusik Notch section, which some of you may know of. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically, ever since about like two-ish days ago, there's been way more bouldering than I ever expected that I'd have to do on this trail. Like, I feel like every two hours, it's just like, okay, you know, uh, get on your knees, get on your hands. Like, um, that sounds kinky, but like, you know, this trail is really fucking me. Um, but you know, still having fun, still having a good time. It's fine. It's fine. Just didn't expect that. I expected to be climbing up mountains and it to be difficult because walking uphill is hard. Um, not because I'm having to like do these insane rock scrambles because someone decided to play fast and loose with what the definition of a trail is. Um, but you know, keeps it interesting, keeps it fun, keeps it lively. <laughs> um, I also have to say, um, what I kind of like expected from the trail, it seems to have surprised other people. Um, and like, that's for me, that's probably just like the level of camaraderie that, um, I've experienced, like I had been around some through hikers, um, when I did short trips out in the tri-state and, you know, I got really comfortable with just like how easy it was to talk to everyone. Like they were just so amiable and like, you know, ready to be friends basically. Um, that I, I kind of expected that. And I know it took some people by surprise. Um, I, I have to say like when I first started experiencing it, uh, not on the through hike, I, it was surprising like I'm from Jersey um people aren't nice if they're nice to you they're probably fucking with you um yeah don't trust someone who's super nice just out of the blue unless you're you're hiking in which case like Jesus some of these people will bend over backwards for you they will go distance and for no reason other than they can and they want to and it's honestly like that part is very shocking um when someone just like goes that extra mile um but it's <laughs> people out here are so great for the most part like i've met a lot of great people there's only been like one or two people that are a little off but um yeah no people out here are fantastic um and that's that's it for that this is trash panda signing off bye hey this is emmy and 
the Columbia River Gorge. We are being transported up to Arts Pass today after having completed the Northern California segment of the PCT and hope to start at Hearts Pass in the morning up towards the border. Tag it tomorrow or tag it in two days, I guess, and start southbound. So today's podcast is about surprises <laughs> or what's most surprising or and what's most expected. So, of course, a good amount of research has gone into doing this trail and preparation. I've been thinking about doing the PCT for years and have probably hiked, section hiked at least one third of the trail before actually starting this journey, the whole through hike, and done a lot of other distance trails each year kind of in preparation and to test out gear, etc. So I had done initially a lot of gear research over the years, trying to dial in the best gear that works for me. And of course, trying to stay physically fit has been a big push as well. And then a lot of my effort has been into trying to develop or find recipes that I can dehydrate that are low carbohydrates, high fats, and a good amount of protein in there just to stay healthy on the trail. So that was that I've done a lot of, and it's been kind of fun. Also, there's been some prep gone into the mental aspect of this, as mentioned in previous podcasts by reading Zach Davis's book, Pacific Crest Trials, which um, if you're planning a through hike of any kind, I've found it to be very helpful and to plan some time to really think about the book as you read it through. Biggest surprises for me on the trail, I think one of the biggest surprises is how hot it's been. It's been in Northern California. It has been extremely hot and much of the water supplies have been dry. And so we've had long water carries in very um, hot and exposed areas. And that did take me by surprise. I had brought my four liter bag for which I was very grateful because there was many times that we had to carry an extra three, four, five liters of water for dry camping in the middle of water sources. So also transportation issues have been a little bit surprising. I didn't expect for our van to be breaking down as much as it was. And and it kind of overtook the relaxing part of our zero days while we're being transported up to the pass. So we just had to really roll with things and try to make the best of it. As far as predictable elements of our journey, I, I would say that one of the things that I knew from past experience that maybe people don't expect is on your zero days or on our zero days, the, the day isn't like zero, like sitting around doing nothing, but it's actually quite busy. You're showering, you're laundering, you're getting food, you're organizing your resupplies or repackaging your resupplies um, and just trying to get reorganized for your next morning out. And of course, slipping in some time to relax is of high importance. 
And then just chatting and, and getting to know other hikers in that time is fun, but it does mean that your day kind of goes by really fast. So that I knew was going to happen and it's helped not having to go grocery shopping for resupplies, but to have the, all those resupplies sent um, has made that a little bit easier for us. So um, I also knew that on those zero days, my need for rest outside of the elements of weather and um, just being in a hotel room would be very much needed and that has proven to be the case. Something else that has popped up that I wasn't expecting was just the hiking in a group and how the dynamics of that and changing of expectations and um, working through relational issues has added to the hike in ways that I didn't expect it to. Um, So I, I would say just from the hike, one of the biggest things that I'm learning is to let go of expectations and just be flexible, flexible relationally, transportationally with your body that's tired and cranky, (laughs) all those kind of things. So it's been a good four and a half, five weeks, and we look forward to um, our time in Washington. Now that we're headed up that way, we've dialed in some of our gear, we're done with blisters pretty much, and um, kind of getting into the groove of things. So we look forward to that and I'll speak to that more in another episode. Thanks for listening. This is Emmy. Hi y'all, this is Moss here. I am currently at mile uh, 350 and I am sitting in my tent surrounded by about a hundred mosquito carcasses (laughs) um the mosquitoes have shown up a little bit earlier than uh they were supposed to i feel like you always hear about the oregon mosquitoes but uh we have some in washington right now um so i'm just hiding in my tent right now Um, and trying to go out as little as possible because every single time i open the door about uh 50 more come in Uh, So that is, I guess, one of my surprises. Uh, We're talking about surprises this week. And um, yeah, I was just not expecting this onslaught of mosquitoes. So suddenly um, it's been fine. So hopefully it's just a small section. Um, But yeah, I feel like part of through hiking is kind of just going with the flow and um, kind of taking everything in stride. So uh, despite there being some things that weren't expected, um, you just got to keep walking, I guess, and hopefully make it to the border, right? So for me, a couple of the surprises that I've had on the trail, um, this one's first and foremost and kind of like goofy, I guess, but I'm surprised by the number of pit toilets that are out here. So I feel like there's been so many privies um and like access to bathrooms (laughs) um and I was kind of expecting there to just like just have to dig so many cat holes 
uh, and there's a bit of a backstory behind this, I guess. But um, when I was hiking on the AT, my friends actually called me the privy princess because I pooped so much. So I was just expecting to come out here and have to uh, dig cat holes like two to three times a day. But we have had some access to privies, which has been really nice. Um, and they're open, which is kind of cool as well, because you can kind of just like do your business and look at the surrounding nature. Although with all these mosquitoes, I don't know if I want any privies right now. Um, another thing that I have been really surprised by how successful we've been is with hitchhiking. I really was expecting it to be kind of difficult because we, you know, you're sometimes like 20 miles from town. But um, I, th I don't know if it's the fact that you're kind of only one, it's like one road into town or whatnot, or people just know what's happening. But um, we've been really successful with hitchhiking, which I have been really excited about. Um, we literally hitchhiked up and down Hearts Pass, which is like the road. Uh, it's, it's like a one-way road basically in order to get to the border. And we did that three times um, round trip. So it's like an hour long, basically off-roading. So we've been so lucky with hitches. Everyone has been so sweet. We are starting to see nobos, which I, I guess I was doing the math recently and it does make sense to start seeing them. But um, I really wasn't expecting to see that many nobos until we started getting into Oregon. But yeah, we've already seen them for a couple weeks now. So a couple other things that I've been really surprised by is the grade. Um, I thought that it was going to be more like nicely graded for pack animals. And we actually just saw our first horseback rider today. Um, but some of the things I just can't imagine trying to bring a stock through, like it feels kind of AT like sometimes where you're um, kind of having to climb not up and over things, but sometimes it's really steep and really rocky and rooty. So um, that's been something that's been unique. But a lot of times the grade is really nice and it has that like kind of stereotypical, I guess, PCT grade. And um, I've also just been really amazed by like the number of different uh, ecosystems and landscapes we've gone through. I feel like we've gone through like meadows and like woodsy areas. And then we've gone into like the sweeping views and burn areas uh, so it's just been like a really large variety of uh landscape so far and we're only 350 miles in so yeah that's uh that's pretty much my surprises i didn't really do that much research for this trip so i feel like i haven't i don't know i just guess i like kind of just came in ready for anything and not expecting much i guess um but yeah so that's most signing off Hello, this is Ibex, uh, coming at you from the PCT mile, somewhere after 500. We made it to Oregon. Um, I, okay, full disclosure, I should have recorded this like three weeks ago, probably, but I just really got into the trail life thing and time, what is time anyway, and now here we are. So, um, yeah, today I wanted to talk about surprises on trail, which again, these are not exactly relevant now. They're kind of surprises from the first couple weeks, but, uh, and I'm sitting at this beautiful creek right now. So that's the sound of water in the background. I hope it's not too distracting. Anyway, 
So yeah, surprises. I guess I'll start with the first big non-surprise of the trip in the beginning was, of course, the snow. Any of us Southbounders starting in June, that was kind of our pride predominant area of research um, and preparation leading up to uh, our hikes. And yeah, the, the PCT delivered on that. The snow was as expected, plentiful and everywhere and difficult. But the biggest surprise was that I would be having to worry about snow and heat at the same time. So, you know, like getting ready for this trip, looking into it, I'm thinking, okay, Northern Washington, like Canadian border, kind of high elevation. Yeah, it's June, but there's still snow everywhere. I'm going to be cold, right? Like at least at nights, like this trail is going to be really cold. And I was just flashbacking to like the beginning of the AT where I did the opposite and was kind of like, oh, it's you know, late March, all the way down south in Georgia, like, it's not going to be that bad, right? And then, like, literally froze my ass off every single night for the first two weeks. So this time around, I was like, okay, I'm going to pack a lot of clothes, a lot of extra layers, a lot of things to keep myself warm. And I spent the first week or two just asking myself, why are you carrying five pounds of clothes right now? What is happening? I'm serious. I have not been cold on this whole trip once. Not once. Uh, I've been maybe chilly a couple of evenings and early mornings, and that's about it. Uh, so yeah, a lot of extra layers and various things to keep us warm were sent home very quickly. Um, this is kind of unusual. This year we had that ridiculous heat wave in June, which broke records for Washington and Oregon. So it's definitely not the norm, but yeah, I mean, it hasn't even been cold. And uh, so that's been the biggest surprise has been the heat on this trail. The day we hiked down into Stahegan, it was 112, I think. And then the day we were gonna hike out of Stahegan was 116. And we got there, we had internet, and we found out about the northbound thru-hiker who actually died in Northern California during this heat wave of, I can't remember what exactly, but it was heat-related, like heat stroke or something. Um, and that was just awful to hear. And we were also like, maybe we shouldn't be hiking out today. So we ended up zeroing there and hiking out the next day, early morning, when it was only 99 degrees <laughs> that day. Uh, so yeah, that has been the biggest surprise, has been the heat. Um, but we've been really lucky with it because we're in Washington. There, there's just been water sources everywhere and the snow melt everywhere. Um, and that's kind of the other surprise, like just how much snow there was during this heat wave and how slowly it was melting still, despite the heat. It's like, my gosh, we kept thinking, okay, we'll give it another day or two, wait out and surely the snow will be melted by then. And then we go through the next section and there's like even more snow than the section before it. It's been crazy. Um, so yeah, that for sure has been the biggest thing. And then campsites actually, I guess this is just due to like my lack of general research, but uh, I was expecting out here because the environmental regulations are stricter generally than the East Coast. I figured there'd be fewer campsites and farther between and that they'd be pretty primitive and try overall to maybe keep them further away from water because they don't want a lot of hikers like, you know, peeing and digging cat holes anywhere near water. But uh, there's been on average campsites like every three miles, I would say. And a lot of them have been near really nice big water sources. And a lot of them, at least in Northern Washington, had 
privies. And by privy, I mean, I think somebody called it a thunder box, which I love that term. That describes it perfectly. It's just like a box and you open the lid and you sit on it. There's no walls or anything around it. It's great. Um, so yeah, there was actually a lot of privies and thunder boxes and things like that. Now, not so much. Those have kind of dried up. Um, but yeah, I was just really surprised at how plentiful campsites were, how nice they were and how big a lot of them were. Uh, how a lot of them are right by water sources. It's just been super convenient. I know that later on in the trail, we're going to have to do a lot of dry camping. So it's just been so nice to have like plentiful water around, not have to carry a lot of water yet and be like have the luxury of camping near water, you know, as we've been starting out on this hike. Um, and then I guess the last surprise I wanted to talk about was actually boy band related. So again, through the beginning, we're hiking on snow all the time and there's these like really sketchy, steep snow fields and we were all a little hesitant and kind of slow going through a lot of these, but boy band is just like a natural in the snow. And I was like, where did you get these abilities? We live in New York. We've never been on snow like this before. He's a really good snowboarder and I snowboard a lot too, which I actually feel like I noticed impacting my overall just comfort levels on the snow, even though obviously hiking on snow and snowboarding are very different, but I do feel like it helps. And I think it made a difference for him too, but He's just, it like looks like he's gliding across it and he'll always take the lead when we go over a really sketchy area and kind of kick steps for us and just make it look like it's easy and no big deal. Um, he, he got rid of his micro spikes like before any of us did, like stopped using them all together. Kind of still had his ice axe, but was barely using it. He said he was just carrying it to use to dig cat holes, really. <laughs> uh... So yeah, that's been a big surprise just seeing like how good he is and like how confident he's been with that and how he's just like kind of naturally taken to through hiking and he's loving it and getting so into it. And it makes it kind of, because I've done a bigger through hike before, it makes everything feel kind of new and fresh because I get to see it all through his eyes and see him like just fall in love with it like I did the first time around on the AT. Uh, yeah, so those are my big surprises I guess and that's it for now I will talk to you guys next time okay bye what's up y'all it is toodles I am currently sitting outside of the Mazama campground gift store on Friday August 6th it's about four o'clock and there are people everywhere um, <laughs> there's no bows, there's muggles, there's day hikers, there's a little bit of everything. Um, I'm sitting out here feeling very hiker trash, drinking a cold cider, what, using their Wi-Fi and recording this while I have a few minutes to think. So yeah, surprises. I feel like I intentionally came to this trail without doing a whole lot of preparation as far as planning for stops along the way or specific things. I wanted it to be a surprise, as it is. So I guess along that vein, everything has been a surprise. I think that starting out from the get-go, one of the biggest was how quickly the snow melted and how long the snow still lingered. I, I just don't understand snow is what this trail has taught me. There's some places that it makes sense that it's still there. And then there was places that I just, how in the world has this random pile of snow and direct sunlight and hundred degrees made it? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. So that's been a big surprise. Another big surprise is how many 
southbounders there were um, in that little jaunt back and forth from the border. I think Squeegee and Toes and I counted like over 70, which was absolutely insane to me. As I stop in, oh wow, I'm really just getting stared at by these muggles. They think I'm talking to myself. Anyway, um, so yeah, the the fact that there's a lot, a lot of Sobos, and which is nice, don't get me wrong. They're just a big surprise. And then now we have hit officially the, what I'm assuming is the northbound bubble because there are a lot of them. Um, and that shouldn't be a surprise because I know this. I know there are a lot of northbounders, but damn y'all, there are a lot of northbounders. But yeah, that is what it is. So um, another big surprise is my gear. Like the, I don't know. I thought I had my gear pretty dialed in before this. So I was very comfortable with what I had. And then it's just, this trail's just eating it alive, it feels like. My quilt has several holes in it, and I'm not sure how. I had to switch around my backpack a couple of times. I'd, yeah, it's just been hard on gear. My Solomons fell apart after like 350 miles, which is really weird, because usually I get double that out of a pair of Solomons. So that was really disappointing. They just kind of disintegrated off of my feet, to be honest. So, um, you know, which leads me to another surprise, which really isn't um but people are just absolutely amazing i'm on this day that my shoes were disintegrating and falling apart across my feet this other hiker crunchy who's from new york just he was had these bedrocks you know and he was so excited he had them shipped and i didn't know anything about what they were and then he i was complaining about my shoes like i don't know how i'm going to do this it's 100 miles of town and he's like try these on and i did and i hiked him in a little for a little bit and he said, if those fit you and they can get you into town, then they're yours, Toodles. Like, which is just amazing. You know, I tried to give them back. I tried to, you know, just let me get to town and then I'll give them to you. And now he's off trail, so unfortunately. But yeah, just absolutely amazing things like that have been um, a pleasant surprise to know that there's still people out there that genuinely want to help you even when they're in just as desperate situations as I am most of the time. So I'm surprised. I am surprised by how conducive this trail is to large mile days. And I've heard from folks that have hiked the Appalachian Trail and the Pacific Crest Trail that this one is physically easier. But it's just you, know, you can't really can't really trust anything until you get out here and start moving. And it seems like if you are up and at them and you put willing to put the time in on your feet, you can really crush out some miles, um, which feels good. It feels really good. And it doesn't feel like I'm rushing to do so because we're still swimming in the water sources. We're, you know, we're still having fun out here. So that's nice. Um, so, uh, another, <laughs> this is going to sound absolutely silly, but I had zero idea that Crater Lake National Park was on the trail. So talking to surprises, that's the most recent one. And that was today. I was absolutely amazed at how gorgeous that was. We took the rim trail and I, every step I took, I was just, is the most stunning thing I've ever seen, I believe. And we've been going through hazy smoke for the last couple of days. And um, today we woke up and there was absolutely none. Just bluebird skies, perfect temperature, great day for a walk around the lake. And yeah, I guess that's about all I got right now for surprises. This is Toodles. Toodles, y'all. Hi, Catman. 
do here, and I am roughly about 20 miles north of California, um, preparing for uh, a 3,900-foot climb today out of um, out of Ashland, and uh, getting back on the trail after uh, a 15-mile no uh, Nero, um, but. Uh, the, Talking about preparation for the hike, I've read, oh, I don't know how many books, um, and watched YouTube videos, and so I had a pretty good feel of what to expect on the PCT. Um, so right now, you know, there's not too many surprises. I, I guess the one thing um, that kind of surprised me is how dry things are. And when I say that, I mean, not only, you know, are, are things super dry after leaving Washington, um, but dusty and just dirty. Um, you know, you look behind you when you're hiking and, and there's just a, just a cloud of dust. And it's this real fine, almost talc-like um, dirt that gets in everything, gets all over your pack and your gets through your gaiters, through your socks, into your shoes, um, gets on everything. And, uh, you know, of course you're sweating. So you look like a, you know, like a dirt mobile, um, going down the trail. So that was kind of a surprise. I was kind of expecting that in, um, in the desert portion. So that, I mean, that's like the only surprise I had. And, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of, um, I really like to stay clean and that's all good and dandy. If you're not in a dry camp, water is getting scarcer as we're getting towards California. So we've camped at four or five dry camps and, um, you know, if you have the choice, you can carry an extra liter of water. Maybe you don't filter just to wash your feet and legs off, but I think it's important for your health to keep your feet clean. So you don't have abrasive materials between your toes and your, you know, and your shoes and whatnot. But that's like, that's real surprise. And then the other surprise kind of on, on the same um, vein with it being a drought is going to, to lakes like Clum Lake, um, or Hyatt Lake, and they're like 2% of capacity. They're like mud puddles. And, you know, you just feel bad for the folks that are trying to run a business out here. They're renting boats or fishing, and they just have mud puddles. So it's really, really foreign, especially for an East Coaster, where, you know, if we see drought, it's for like, you know, it's, for, it's a seasonal situation and it's never has been enduring. So, you know, those are really strange things. And then you're, you're starting to see plants um, in kind of subalpine areas that are wilting, um, showing stress. Their leaves are changing because, because of the stress, the lack of water. Um, I've essentially had three hours of rain since I touched Canada. Um, you know, so that's going on week seven. Um, you know, of course I don't think we'll see any rain in California. I'd be nice if they had some to help abate with the fires, but so that's like really the only surprise thing. Um, you know, everything else, hikers interacting, the trail, the beauty of it, um, the physical challenge, um, 
that's all kind of what I expected. The the crazy fire closings, um, the reroutes, you know, I was, that's, I was prepared for that mentally and, uh, just hoping to the next couple of weeks, it's going to be a challenge navigating them. And I really hope that, um, you know, the air quality is good enough where we can hike in between and miss the most minimal of mileage because, uh, you know, I came to hike the trail. I didn't come to do uh, a reroute. So, but that's the biggest surprise so far. And if that's the biggest surprise so far, that's really nothing. But it's just interesting. You know, we all have perceptions of what the, we think the trail is. And, uh, you know, the only way you're going to find out is to get on trail. So I hope everybody gets a chance to go out hiking. Um, signing off to all you trekkers, Katmandu, happy trails. What's up, the trek? My name is Cal, trail name Starburst, pronouns they, them. And my name is Sean, trail name is Marathon, pronouns are he, him. And this episode is about surprises. Mm -hmm. What surprised us the most? What surprised us the least? And about a week ago, we didn't think we were going to have anything to talk about. Yeah, we weren't (laughs) sure what we were going to talk about. And then our world exploded. And we are so stoked to share these crazy stories on the CDT with all of you. So what has surprised me the most and the least are actually two sides of the same coin. What has surprised me the most is how different this trail is from other trails. And what surprised me the least is how different this trail is from other trails. And what I mean by that is I think we were expecting the CDT to be totally different from anything we've done, but we did not anticipate the ways in which it would be different. So we kind of expected there to be different crazy things, but actually found our found the most difficult obstacles to overcome being the most basic backpacking stuff that we kind of took for granted before. So yeah, things we yeah. kind of figured we already ha- had sorted out, mm-hmm. but um, we needed to kind of reevaluate. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So the best example I have is that um, I had never hiked in snow before and starting in June, heading south in Glacier, there would be a lot of snow and my research showed that boots were recommended. So for the first two weeks on trail, I hiked in boots. I've never hiked in boots before and it was some of the worst pain Mm. I have ever been in. It was truly excruciating at times. They were too tight, too small and rigid. Um, And I really had this internalized tough guy mindset that I think a lot of through hikers and outdoor people have of like, oh, I'm going to push through it. Mm -hmm. Reevaluating or being flexible and making adjustments is a weakness. And it was really marathon here that told me, you know, work smart, don't work hard. Let's get off trail, get you some new shoes and save the hike. You know, doing a Mm -hmm. through hike is about, it's so long. It's about sustainability, not being a hero. And that hubris of like, well, I can take the pain can actually seriously injure you or even end your hike. You can jeopardize the hike. Yeah. 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 And a couple other examples, like you were mentioning about food stuff, much higher stakes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah, I've had been getting a lot of the same food that I've had in the past and other through hikes. 
that's worked well. But on this one, it's I'm just having some stomach issues and low energy and um, really talking with Starburst and coming up with a plan to try some different types of food, make some little adjustments there. Um, and I was maybe a little bit hesitant to it, you know, a little stubborn. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I like what I like, but um, I'm actually, I'm excited to try some different foods and experiment a little bit mm-hmm. um, and, and move forward. Yeah. Yeah. So being flexible mm-hmm. about reevaluating things, not being afraid to make changes because this trail, the CDT is a totally different animal and there's much higher stakes when, you know, whereas on other hikes, if you were having a foot problem or a resupply miscalculation, you could just go off trail in one or two days. But on the CDT, you might have to hike a hundred miles before. And especially you're hiking with other people, it's imperative to communicate Mm -hmm. your needs so that, um, you're not undermining your own and other people's height. Yeah, it's really, it's about the team mm-hmm. working together and and putting the team above yourself. Yeah, you know? exactly. Something else that's been um, particularly like a surprising difficulty is how hard it was to um, leave home behind. When I through hiked the AT, I did it right after I finished my undergrad. I did it have any family really I was leaving behind. I didn't have a home because I was living at college and that was easy. But on this hike, I'm leaving, you know, my, my mom, my family, partner, dog, and it's been surprisingly really emotionally challenging. And it just makes me think about all of the incredible through hikers who are out here who have to leave, you know, children behind Mm -hmm. and elderly parents maybe, and so many more responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's a lot harder to hike when you have to leave, leave, when you have more to lose. So I really respect those people. And on the topic of family, um, another crazy surprise that happened is uh, since deciding to through hike and through hiking, I got written out of a family will, um, which is exciting and spicy to say because <laughs> it makes spicy. me feel like a British heiress or something like. I got written out of a will, you know, because I'm a dirtbag. <laughs> no, but it's a little reductionist to say, but it really was because this is who I am. This is my life. And I'm, you know, embracing my truth and, and living my life. And people are very judgmental mm-hmm. of that, you know, saying you're throwing away your life. It's a waste of time. And yeah, so, you're choosing a different path. And mm-hmm. sometimes people have a hard time seeing that. Yeah. Recognizing that. Yeah. So by being brave and hiking, sometimes you lose family, but... (laughs) Sometimes you gain family. Yeah. So perhaps, perhaps, definitely (laughs) the biggest surprise of this hike has been gaining two furry family (laughs) members. Mm -hmm. Do you want to introduce... Yeah, we've got uh, Truman and Monkey mm-hmm. joined us recently. Yes, they're trail names. They've mm-hmm. already got trail names. <laughs> so they just started following us. They came out of nowhere, started following us two days ago. Mm-hmm. Just followed us all the way into town. Yes, these two dogs. <laughs> two dogs. Silly, silly dogs. found us. No tags, no identification. Since they followed us to town, we took them to the vet to mm-hmm. see if they had microchips. They do not. We filed a police report. We posted on Facebook pages. Online, called some local 
people that might have been the owners, but they have their dogs. So. No luck. Mm-hmm. So we've really had to make a difficult decision of, are we going to be rigid and say, you know, this is not part of our plan. This is not part of our through hike. And, uh, or are we going to listen when the trail provides an unforeseen (laughs) obstacle and really embrace that new and different, difficult challenge and say, this is our journey. Mm -hmm. This is a part of our journey now. And are we going to be brave and embrace that? And I think the choice for us has been pretty clear. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So next time, next episode, you'll be hearing from Starburst. And Marathon. And Truman. And and Monkey. Monkey. Boys, do you have anything to say to the people? Oh, no, they're asleep. Well, we're on the CDT signing off. Howdy, this is Rooster on the CDT, and today I'm recording from the Yellowstone River Motel in Gardner, Montana, and uh, we are very excited to be rejoining with the CDT in just a couple of days here. Um, Our episode today is on surprises and preparation, and uh, I think it's a good time to kind of explain what's been going on in the past few weeks as, as we've been hiking. Um, so one of the things I was expecting on this trail, but also surprised by was the forest fires, the same things we had issues with on the PCT. Um, there is a fire season in the Northwest and, uh, that is just part of the, part of the game out here. But, uh, we got it a little bit early this year and had two major fires, the Deer Creek and the Goose Fire, uh, sprout up in early July, uh, when usually these things aren't really in full force until late July or August. But uh, Montana had a very dry spring and not a lot of snow, um, which which helped us out in the beginning, but is uh, proving to be difficult now. So what we did was we figured out how to reroute around these fires. And the fires were happening or still are happening right on the border of Montana and Idaho on the CDT. So there's been a lot of a uh, trail that's been closed. There have not been a lot of official reroutes to get around them. A lot of people are hitching around uh, or getting shuttles. We were really hoping to, to keep our continuous footpath and not do it by having 40 mile road walks this early. So we decided to take the Big Sky alternate. Um, Its dirty name is the Super Butte Cutoff. So this, in our planning, we looked at a lot of alternates. There are a ton on the CDT. This through hike is known as the, you know, choose your own adventure trail. Uh, so as long as you stay within a certain amount of miles of the the corridor uh, of the continental divide, you know, this counts as a through hike, unlike on the AT where, you know, taking a little shortcut or an alternate was kind of frowned upon and uh, called blue blazing. Uh, this is just built into this hike. Um, we figured all these alternates, we would decide as we went, uh, you know, try to figure out, you know, if something's far more beautiful, we'll go check that out. Um, 
if it's uh you know if someone's injured and we need to take something a little easier we could do that the one option we really decided on before heading out here was that we did not want to do the super butte cutoff because it shaves off over 100 miles uh, of the official trail and here we are um, about two days from finishing the super butte cutoff uh, and i have to say you know i had an expectation of this being a negative thing and we've absolutely loved it we've seen a ton of diversity of landscapes and wildlife. Uh, we've met so many incredible people on the towns along this route, which isn't even on the official CDT. Going through the town of Big Sky, we were doing our roadwalk down the highway, which uh, Woodchuck and I haven't hitched a uh, roadwalk yet. We've walked them all and uh, had, you know, two, three people pulling over, asking if we needed rides, asking if we need anything. Uh, we've had a ton of trail angels um it's it's really been fantastic all that said we are very excited to be back on the cdt in a couple days uh we reconnect an old faithful village in yellowstone and while we very much enjoyed uh rerouting and putting you know we've had to connect many many trails to get down to where we are I have to say we're we're very excited to get back on gut hooks and and be able to just uh kind of aimlessly uh walk down the trail and enjoy all the crowdsourced information on water and camping um i think that about sums it up the only other thing i could say is that i'm very happy we didn't send out too many boxes actually we didn't send out any boxes uh, because the places that we would have sent our first few were all along the CDT uh, where these fires are. So um, I will again say something I've learned in all the through hiking I've done is mail from trail. It's the way to go. Um, but that is all I have for now. So this is Rooster signing out. Until next time. This is Link checking in from the Continental Divide Trail. It is day 25 for me. That's about three and a half weeks in, and I am in a spot called the Tobacco Roots Mountain Mountains, which is act, which actually aren't on the official CDT. It is um, a part of the alternate called the Big Sky Alternate. Something my partner and I decided to take because the fires are very bad on the Idaho and Montana border. At the moment, it is very smoky where I am, hard to even see any of the peaks in the distance, and the smell of smoke is like very real in the air. Um, so the fires are, aren't close, but the smoke is. Anyways, um, today we're talking about surprises. How much research did I do for my through hike? You know, we had originally planned on hiking the Continental Divide Trail last year, um, but you know, then COVID happened and all that stuff went to crap. And so we had a bunch of research already done when we finished the Appalachian Trail in June. So we had about two weeks off in between and our overall preparation strategy consisted of sleeping, eating, and just hanging out. 
Honestly, we did very little prep for the CDT. And I think in a lot of ways, it's coming back to get us here. And I also wonder if we had done prep, if it would have just all gone to shit anyways, because of all the fires. So yeah, in general, you know, physical preparation, we had just completed the Appalachian Trail. And so, you know, I think physically our bodies can do it, but we definitely, or at least I definitely have some fatigue from having already done one trail this year. And then logistically, we, we kept it really simple. We tried not to send, we're trying not to send too many boxes on this trail, just keeping it real simple. So we have four-ish boxes that I left with my parents to send um, to certain locations along the way that are that have shoes and maps and a couple other small things that we'll need to resupply that might be hard to find on the trail. Mentally, mental preparation, you know, I don't really know what to, ex- I didn't really know what to expect as far as like how to prepare for this trail mentally. It's an interesting mindset when every day I wake up and it's the longest hike I've ever done. You know, every single day I wake up and it's more days of hiking than I've done any year of my life. And I don't know, it's interesting how the body just keeps going. Even just being a month in now, the body and the mind are just keep on pushing through. And yeah, I mean, honestly, I have bad days. You know, I've had a couple of bad days here and there where it's hard to stay in it, especially when it's smoky and there's fires and you're doing all sorts of random reroutes trying to make it just make it happen, connect the footsteps down the down the divide to Mexico. But yeah, I mean, I, I have you know really been surprised by just how few people we've seen. I mean, I know that they're out here and I, I we met a few folks, but I think just this year is like a splintering of the Southbounders because of the, the fires. You know, people are doing all sorts of random alternates and things and some people went on the official trail or walked around the fire. Some people got shuttles around the fire. Some people are doing big sky alternate. Some people are doing other things in there. And I don't know, just, I've been surprised with how few people we've seen. Only like a couple people every couple of days. You know, we've had spans of days where we haven't seen anyone. And you know, one thing I haven't been surprised by is just the challenge of the navigation out here. Um, the trail is marked sometimes. And the trail isn't marked a lot of times. And, you know, we've gotten lost a couple of times because I have done all of my hikes without a GPS or a gut hooks style app. And I think, you know, that's always poses a challenge as far as like figuring out where you are on the map, orienting the map and making sure that you're going the right way. Because it's really a bummer when you walk a number of miles in the wrong direction. But yeah, in Anyways, you know, I'm still out here, still doing the thing, walking around every single day. Um, My body's tired. My mind is wavering in and out. And, you know, being a month in, you would think that we'd get into the groove of things, but it's like every day we don't really know what's going to happen as far as fires and alternates and who we're going to meet. And, you know, I think the resupply will work in the next town and we have to figure out what we're doing next. It's really just one week at a time out here. And, and it's amazing to think that we're already a month in. 
Anyways, thanks for listening and I will talk to you next time. And that's it for today's show. In the next episode, our correspondents will share what the social dynamic has been like on their hikes thus far. If you've listened to past year's episodes, you might think that you already have a good idea what the answer to this question is. But remember, our hikers are going southbound this year, moving against the current of the masses. If you enjoy the show, we would be immensely grateful for a review on Apple Podcasts. This goes a long ways to letting others know about the show. We also appreciate when you share the show with your family, friends, and enemies. You can keep up with our correspondence on social media through our Instagram account at Trail Correspondence. Okay, that's it for today's show. Until the next time, thanks for listening and happy hiking. <laughs>